Welcome to A Court of Transformation and Awakening. I am Lori Gray. And I'm Amanda Grace Harrison. And in today's episode, we are discussing book one, chapter one. Okay, friends, here we go. Here we go. All right, so what did you... Can you remember like when when you first read it, what your first impression was of this chapter? Because now we've read a ton and we're kind of like looking back on it and reading it with fresh eyes. But do you remember what your first thoughts were? Question. Um, I just remember being surprised that it was because it starts out so like not romantic. Right? (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. So all right. (laughs) This is where it's a different, not what I was expecting, but it's very like... It's hard life in that first chapter. Yeah. It was, I had just finished um, the Throne of Glass series. And so then I jumped into, or this was, I think, like a preview, like, you know, sneak peek of new book coming out. And I read it. And I remember, like, not being impressed. I'm like, I don't know if this seems like something I'm going to like. Yeah. So I'm like, who is this girl? She's obviously immortal. She's like hunting in the woods. Yeah. I've never hunted or wanted to hunt, so I can't relate. Yeah. It, it did seem a little off. I'm so glad that I stuck with it because that initial chapter, it didn't, it didn't necessarily pull me in. But now, like having read everything and going back and looking at it with fresh eyes... I like the way that she started it. Like you said, it's not romantic. It's not exciting right from the get-go. But, but we, it is her ordinary world, which is yes. where you have to start an adventure. You can't start with the adventure. Then exactly. it won't be a contrast from anything. I love it. Okay, so going through this. So let's talk about some things that stood out to us. Um, so right away, page one, you know, we're reading through, and she talks about... She was focusing on her surroundings, on the task ahead. And she says, that was all I could do, all I'd been able to do for years. Focus on surviving the week, the day, the hour ahead. And that, when I, when I read that, I'm like, talk about a picture of surviving versus thriving. Yeah. Instantly takes you to like first month of motherhood or being in chronic illness and where you're just like, I've just, all I can do is survive. I don't have any energy left for anything beyond survival. Exactly. And it's, I think it's a reality for more, for more people. And I don't think it's really talked about that much. And as much as there's, you know, I love that there's more of a, a push towards um, really understanding mental illness, really understanding chronic illness. I am seeing more of it, but even then like people do lip service to, it's okay to not be okay. But then if you, I don't know what you've experienced, but I think so many of us that we actually show up, we're like, okay, I'm not okay. And then somebody jumps in with, here's a tool, here's a trick, let's fix it. We say it's okay. Yeah, it's okay to not be okay, but let's fix it real quick. But let's fix it really quick. Because we can. Because we can, (laughs) and you should, and I'm actually really uncomfortable with this. Yes. Um, And I I think that was why I liked, why I liked this book and why I wanted to do a program with it is because you know, the way we see her life in chapter one, I mean, it's genuine, true suffering. Yeah. And to the point where we can't do the fluffy bypassing thing. Yeah. We can't. We can't be like, oh, it's not that bad, Feyre. <laughs> Chin up. Chin up. There's a silver lining. Yeah. You know, there's a purpose in this. There's a whatever. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Like, let's just like bypass this with something fluffy. And 
you know, you you can't um, for this. And and honestly, I don't think most of us should do that as often as we do, or often as often as we've been taught to. Yeah, I love the movie, by the way, Inside Out. I think was such a good picture of this, where it's not about are we going to be negative or are we going to be positive? It's about there has to be an honest going through what's really happening to get to the positive in a way that's genuine, Mm. as opposed to just let's pass over it because we're all too uncomfortable to really talk about it. But I find so many people that I talk to to actually just say it's really bad or I'm really hurting, like they don't feel permission to do that. And they'll justify it to me. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, you don't have to do that. Let me tell you a little bit about my story and why you don't have to do that with me. Yeah. But I think that so many people have experienced probably what I have where they they have an honest moment and then somebody does that bypassing thing to them. They, they come back or they almost like correct them for being honest. And so people have, what I see people do is they do it to themselves first. Like they'll just yeah. tack on like a positive at the end so that they don't receive that from somebody else. I definitely do that. Do you? <laughs> How's your day? Oh, it's awful. Oh my gosh, this and that happened. But you know, that's okay because I get to wash dishes now and then I'm going to feel better about my house or whatever. <laughs> like you always have to end on a positive note. End on a positive note. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, I don't think that's bad, right? Because like, yeah. you know, I tell, I'll tell people all the time, I'm like, I think that in any given moment, there are things that are, good and positive and lovely always and making space for that in a way that gives airtime to what we're grateful for and also what's hard i think both are important i think it just has to do with what that motivation is behind it and whether we're doing that in a healthy way yeah it's been interesting i um i had a conversation this is a conversation i have often but i did have it again recently so it was top of mind um but i had one of my clients who deals with chronic illness um i end up i have i was gonna say a lot of my clients deal with chronic illness but honestly if you look at the country right now how many i forget what the statistic is i think it's maybe one in six women end up with an autoimmune condition at this point it's it's really really high um you know i identify as a spoonie you know as a person with you know chronic illness and even though my case was really extreme it's been interesting to realize that like that's not such a rare small group of us anymore yeah. it's it's different degrees and um it's different levels to it but that community is unfortunately getting larger and larger all the time um but i had a client i'll, I'll have clients like this where they're experiencing symptoms like they're not feeling great but then they have this self gaslighting thing that happens or downplaying or trying to be positive or trying to be strong, whatever version of that you wanna go with. And so what they say is, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, I'm okay. And something about that feels right to them. But what I'll point out to them, I'm like, okay, if you say it's not that bad, then what kind of action do you take? And the truth is it's, none it's pushing down it's pushing through and what ends up happening is this thing where they're like it's not that bad it becomes that bad because they're not actually addressing the symptoms 
but something about saying it's not that bad feels right. Yeah. And, we, and we just walk through, I'm like, I'm like, let's just look at what happens. When that's your thought, what does that actually lead to for you? And what does, what does that create for you? And what ends up happening is it makes it worse. Where oddly enough, if we look at our life and we can say, oh no, it's that bad. It's actually really bad. In a way that is action oriented, mm. it moves people towards taking action and making change. And by owning it is that bad, it actually opens up space to make it better. And it does the, it's, it's one of those paradoxes. It's one of those things where what people assume works one way, it's actually the opposite of what they think. But whenever we look at something, we're like, no, no, no it actually really is that bad. Then we're like, then let's fix it. Then let's change it. Then, then what happens? And you know, my clients who, when they actually own that their symptoms are that bad, they seek help, they look for answers, they advocate to doctors, they do what they need to because they're owning it's that bad. And they end up getting to a place where they get the help that they need. So this whole, this whole like false positivity thing, I'm so against. I'm not against honest positivity. Right. I'm not against the real stuff. Just the, the harmful positivity. Just the there we go. There's one. <laughs> but the part, the part that tells us we need to bypass our pain or bypass our humanity or downplay our experience to make somebody else more comfortable. Yeah. And so I like chapter one because I think that we're, as readers, invited into a space where we're allowed to admit sometimes life is hard. Yeah, it's winter. It's winter. What did she say? It's, it's the hard times. It's winter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that was one of my big flags was like, it's the very closing line. It's an awkward time to say it since we're not at the end of the video, but this was the forest and it was winter. You know, it's like, that's like that. And it is hard. That's just bad. When you're in the forest and it's winter, there's no glossing over that and going like, oh, it's not so bad. No, it really is. Mm -hmm. Everything is gone. There's no plant life anywhere. Everything is frozen. The animals have all gone somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, and so sort of, see, I told you you were going to bring in all the great metaphors. So like for us, like, it, like it's okay to own like if we're in a winter season. Yes. And we all have winter seasons. We have a winter every month. As women, we'll get into that later. <laughs> we do. We will definitely talk about that. Um, yeah, so I love... Anyway, so that that was one of the things that really stood out to the, for me for this chapter and one of the, the things that I liked about doing this um, as a group. Okay, so other part, though, that really stood out to me, and I think you and I, when I looked at our notes, I'm like, what? what I'm like, where were, your, where were your book tabs? I think we put one in the same place on uh, page three yes. where she's we get the first glimpse of sort of her dreams mm -hmm. and her how her she functions how she sees artist. the world yes and her, you're talking about? i yes. am yeah where she says you know once it had been second nature to savor the contrast of new grass against dark tilled soil or an amethyst brooch nestled in folds of emerald silk by the way, I'm so bad at reading aloud. Are you better at reading aloud? No, I love reading out loud. Will you read it out loud? Yes. You read this whole passage to us. I don't like it. It makes me so uncomfortable. Starting with the emerald silk. Well, you can just start at the beginning of the 
or wherever. Okay, once it had been second nature to savor the contrast of new grass against dark-tilled soil, or an amethyst brooch, brooch, brooch? It's definitely not brooch, it's definitely brooch. Brooch? (laughs) Nestled in, (laughs) I'm so good at reading out loud, especially when I mispronounce things. Or an amethyst brooch nestled in folds of emerald silk. Once I dreamed and breathed and thought in color and light and shape. Sometimes I'd even indulge in envisioning a day when my sisters were married and it was only me and father, with enough food to go around, enough money to buy some paint, and enough time to put those colors and shapes down on paper or canvas on the cottage walls. Oh, or the cottage walls. Or the cottage walls. Should yeah. we stop there? No, that's so good. Yeah, and then and then the next, but the end of the next um, yeah, the next one where like, she's like, I couldn't remember the last time I'd done it. Like bothered. bothered. Yep. to notice anything lovely or interesting. And that's what I thought was so impressive about this because she's like, she has this involuntary self-care mechanism that took over in that moment. Like she's just hunting. She's trying to get more comfortable in the tree where she's been crouched for all these hours trying to catch something. And she says, despite myself, despite my numb limbs, I quieted that relentless, vicious part of my mind to take in the snow-veiled woods. And that's when she notices all the colors and all yeah. that. But like, despite her, like she does not want to take this self-care moment where the artist in her gets to come out and see all the beauty. But despite herself, that's just in her. The artist wants to come out and it's like, no, just stop for a second and see all this. Right? It's magic all around you. When you see, I mean, you know, not to jump too far ahead for people who haven't read it, but she doesn't, she doesn't value this part of her. No. And I think that whenever I look at book one there's a lot of themes in book one there's a lot of things that come out but for me her journey and her relationship to her art yeah. is one of the things i find the most interesting now yeah, i'm not an artist but just just the idea of like what we're passionate about and what our like calling and purposes in the world that not everybody embraces it fully not everybody sees it as positive and you know from the get-go we we see that she doesn't she doesn't necessarily have this beautiful, positive relationship with her dream. You know, people talk about dreams and goals like like they're all beautiful and positive. And I was, oh, I have this dream and this hobby and this thing that I'm going to do. She has this beautiful gift inside of her and she doesn't she doesn't value it. No, she hates it. Yeah. Because it take, it's it's not because she's in survival mode and yeah. this thing takes her out of that and it puts yes. her in this. And she's like, I don't want to dream about these beautiful things that right. aren't happening right now. Right now, I need to kill something to feed my family. Exactly. I don't have time for this. Exactly. Crap. Yeah, so you're saying it's like it's not it's not accessible right now, and so it feels like a distraction from surviving. Yeah. Which I mean, talk about deep. I mean, how how many of us is that the case? And that's why this idea of like quieting this relentless, vicious part of my mm-hmm. mind. Because um, she says, "Not likely to happen anytime soon, perhaps ever." Right. Gosh, I mean, and again, I I'm not in the woods starving, but I do like, I so related to this idea of like a mind that just feels like it's constantly going, right? And it's constantly, you know, my brain so easily gets in scarcity. And Mm. it's not even about, like I can look at things in my life and know that factually that's not necessary. And my brain still goes there. And I have, there are times when I have trouble quieting my mind. Um, but I love that she talks here about there, there is a measure of choice in it. 
like where she had to make a choice to let that be quieted so then she could go and she could have this moment with herself and allow it. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, except that I relate to, <laughs> I relate to a mind that doesn't necessarily let us rest. And I think, oh, I remember I was going with it. Like the idea of mindfulness, right? Like being present. I think that in a similar way to her, like I believe this lie of like, that's not as valuable as going and just getting stuff done, right? Especially yeah. when, when you're in scarcity, when you're in survival, it's like, no, no, I just have to go, I have to do, I have to get more done, go, 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 go. And the idea of like, stop and smell the roses, which by the way, <sighs> in a very literal sense, I've genuinely stopped and be like, oh, there's a flower, I'm gonna actually stop and enjoy the flower. <laughs> And smell it I'm like there's there's a literal aspect to stop and smell the roses but it's so easy for me to tell myself like that's not relevant that's not important here's all these important things that I have to go 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 do 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 and choosing to allow myself to stop and fully be in a present moment and or to train my brain to actually be present enough for me to allow myself mm. to have that moment It's hard to do when you're struggling. So I don't know where everybody else is at, but um, I can just relate to where she's at right now. I'm, I'm thankful that like I'm not in that horrific survival mode right now, but I just remember times when I really was. Yeah. <sighs> All right, friend, any other thoughts on this chapter? This chapter, um, what was this? Oh, yeah, page five, where you find out that from infancy, they've been sung lullabies about how evil the fairies are and how to kill them. That was, that was interesting. Cause that's <laughs> sort of one thing you can sing lullabies about. Oh my goodness, yeah, I mean, talk about the you know, the world that she's raised in. And we, we see a little bit more about, we learn a little bit more about her world and a little bit about the history and things in the next chapter. But <laughs> yeah, not, I, I guess, how, what did I say? So I, I think the, the part that I take from that is, yeah, she's not thriving right now. She is kind of surviving, but it's not 100% because she's like, yeah, that's the path that I chose for myself. You know, she was born into this place where things are really difficult and things are really hard. And so much of the mindset, so much of the thought patterns, so much of those things were handed down to her. You know, she was born into a world of fear and hate. Mm. And while this is a really, you know, dramatized version of that, I think I can relate to that a little I bit totally as well. Agree. I didn't think about it until you just said that. Oh, I'm like, oh, crap. I was totally sung lullabies about how evil some people in the world are. It just didn't come out as a lullaby, but it was in my milk from the moment I was born. You're taught those things of who's evil and who you're allowed to hang out with and who's good for you and who should burn in hell. Do you watch Stranger Things? I have watched a few episodes of Stranger Okay, Things. are you watching? Okay, so the... I only watched first season. I can't give anything away. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so see, the new season just dropped. And so we're we're only, I think, two episodes in. Which, by the way, I have to say, this new season, it's almost too scary for me. Like, the other ones yeah. were bordering on it. Like, I watched the first episode. I'm like, 
Uh, this one's more like horror. I thought the first season was like horror. I can't do anything that's even oh like a little bit. Horrific. Oh my gosh! No. Okay. Especially so I have little kids. season one scary, but like this one is like straight up, straight up horror film. Where I'm like, I, oh I don't know if I can watch this. Yeah, like, no. I, I know end, for sure I can't. End of episode one, we were all actually screaming, like actually screaming <laughs> out loud. Um, okay, my husband didn't scream. He would be really um, upset. So my. My eldest daughter chose to laugh really loud because she was trying to get out of it. My husband just had like a shocked face. Me and my youngest were actually screaming Jeez. out loud because it was so scary. Um, but the point with that is in some of the other episodes and this one, there's this ongoing theme of the Dungeons and Dragons game mm. being mm. evil so evil if you even talk about it or touch it you'll die within three days i think i was told something like that as a very young child and i remember i remember when harry potter came out right and it was like there there are real spells yes it's actually satanic yes it's totally horrible and and i believe that because it was said by people in authority and it wasn't until i was much older and i found other adults who I respected. They're like, they're great books. I was like, are they? Okay. And I went through to read them though. (laughs) And then I thought it was really, really interesting to find that one of the themes throughout those entire books is like prejudice. (laughs) Yes. It's hilarious. Hilarious and true. Um, But there is some truth. And I don't know how much truth there is in what I was taught growing up. Whereas there are some fairies who are like to be avoided for sure like the uh i mean obviously i won't mention who i was about to say it that would be a major spoiler seeing as we're Don't still in book one, chapter one <laughs> in I'm this thinking of some people i'm like they definitely do need to make some fairy tale i mean lullabies about how awful these creatures people they persons whatever they are yeah so, so some of what they were told so was was, truth. was legit for sure um it and was they, just the generalization of all fairies are evil which is same thing yeah we were all all non-us are evil not yes true. exactly but it you know it just it was one of those things where i think as whenever i got older and i looked i looked back on some of that stuff i had I think I, there was a period of time, a period of time, whenever I had judgments of myself, and I'm almost like I feel like I should have seen that. Like that's really clear now. Oh, that's really obvious. And it just, you know, the thing that I I will tell people, and the thing I have to remind myself of all the time is, I'm like, it does not make sense to beat myself up for something that I didn't know in the past. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense, and I think we all do it, but the more that I move to being able to compassionately understand how I developed the mindsets and the patterns that I did from, a, you know, not judgment, just from compassion, like the, the more I understand it and the more I'm able to look at it and be like, oh, that makes sense. I was, I was a kid. I was being told this by people in authority and people yeah. that I had trusted. So of course I believed it. And to be able to just understand where it came from and to be compassionate with myself and not add on extra judgment to all of it and to be able to just let it go and move on and learn from it um, is really helpful. But yeah, so, um, and this is good for for our character Feyre because there are going to be times when we're like, girl, (laughs) 
really? Because we're standing on the outside of it, right? We're on the outside looking at it. And for us, it's all super clear. And for her, it's not. Um, But the author does such a great job of setting this up, I think, for all of her characters, where sometimes we see them take action, where from the outside, we're like, that's illogical, or that doesn't make sense, or this thing would be so much different. But she helps us see where she came from, like what beliefs, what mindsets, how how she got to the headspace that she was in. And from there, I think her choices typically, I'm not going to say make sense. I'm not going to say that, but kind of. But They're like, on brand for Farah, though. There we go. On brand. That's a way of saying it. That's very LA. Thanks, friend. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> they make sense. They make sense. Okay. All right. Well, this is, so here we've got chapter one, book one got a character she's surviving she's struggling she's barely surviving day to day barely getting through very little hope for the future and has now murdered a wolf is it a wolf is Is it it a a fairy we don't know yet but she cannot bring herself to feel any remorse for the dead thing because this was the forest and it was winter Bless her. Bless her. All right, friends. Well, thanks for joining us for a quarter of, one. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let me just say the Court of Transformation Awakening right over you. That's your really nice closing. No, you do the official outro. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today, guys. And if you haven't already, be sure to join our free community at ACOTA. That's A-C-O-T-A-A dot circle dot S-O, where you can jump into the fan chats. You can watch these videos there. And then you can also dive into the deeper experience, either of one of our workshops or the deeper small group adventures. Have a great week, guys. All right. Bye. Bye.